Ed, yeah. I mean, we're talking after a win. That was yesterday. But we should probably start with uh, a game that I don't think either of us particularly keen to talk about. Although... Uh, oh, I don't know. I think I'm keen to talk about it. <laughs> it certainly exercised your spirit, it's fair to say, that game against Tottenham. <laughs> I need a f***ing exorcism. <laughs> Starting with Jose. Um, yeah, and a few of his players. So you're saying Jose out, but in a like a spiritual sense. Yeah, that's right. And get his demons out. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was awful. I, I would hazard to say it was probably the worst performance under Jose. Right. So and just be, and there have been some bad performances, of course, mm-hmm. uh, but it was just so pathetic, so thoroughly outplayed. I think United were outplayed for at least eighty of the ninety minutes, maybe more. There was that that, that brief period after Spurs scored that um, uh, I think uh, there was one chance created, wasn't there? And a little bit of attacking momentum, but it disappeared pretty quickly. Well, but, uh, yeah, well, shortly before Phil Jones smacked it into his own net, uh, of which we can talk more in a minute. But it was just, you know, we're completely and thoroughly outplayed. Mourinho was completely outthought tactically. Uh, he he got all emotional with his substitutes, uh, and he wasn't able to communicate any of his plans to his players. And many of them just didn't turn up. Well, most of them. It's interesting, isn't it? Because before the game, a lot of the preemptive criticism of Mourinho was that he would be overly defensive. But that certainly wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't uh, intent. The problem was competence. And I think there's a, there's a lot... I mean, it's pretty clear that Mourinho didn't feel that the players followed his plans. Now, maybe that's just theatre from Mourinho. He's you know, dropped Pogba and Martial afterwards, was very demonstrative from the touchline, and as you say, made a lot of emotive substitutes, substitutions. But it's hard to not think that actually maybe he had his players didn't follow his plans. But of course, as you say, you, you said he failed to communicate some of those to the players. To look at the team selection, I mean, it looked like a very positive team. The the one thing that I think retrospectively looked like a huge mistake was playing Sanchez on the left and Martial on the right, where Martial was completely ineffective in what was a kind of very new position for him. Um, well, yeah, I mean, he's always been ineffective there on the few occasions that he's played there, in my mind at least, yeah. Mm. Um, well, look... I think he, he probably just wanted United to set up um, in a pretty standard 4-2-3-1 and match Spurs. But uh, but he picked Pogba in a 4-2-3-1 and clearly didn't want Pogba to be breaking ahead of the ball. Uh, yeah, and he went mental. He had that big argument with Pogba on the, um, on the sidelines where he's clearly telling him he's got to give more protection because Spurs were just picking holes in United's midfield. Matic was completely overrun. I've talked about how I actually don't think he's a particularly good defender. And um, and, and Pogba's not that player, you know? I, I, and I, it, it's easy to pick the sort of argument and say, well, Pogba should do it for the team, you know? He's, uh, he's, he's, he's not performing for the team. Why does he get to, to choose his, uh, his role when the manager's asked him to do something else? But if you stick a square peg in a round hole, you often get a bad result in football, often. And that's what we got. And... You know, so in a way, Mourinho didn't fall into the trap that a lot of people thought he would fall into. He picked a very attacking lineup, And also, 
Um, didn't sacrifice Lingard from the team for the sake of Alexis, which was interesting, I thought, under the circumstances. Of course, Mata was the one sacrificed from the starting eleven. Um, the the shape was all wrong. I mean, it's a big ask, by the way, for a player of Sanchez's quality and, you know, um, a player who will change the team with his presence as much as Sanchez to model everything else up to kind of, you know, juggle everything about um, against a team as good as Spurs. Spurs were excellent. I mean, I don't think they had to be that good, but they were, especially in the second half. I mean, it, it looked to me that the, you know, there was the very strange opening goal from from the kickoff, which looked like a, a pre-planned thing. Should have been offside, by the way, because Harry Kane totally cheated. <laughs> and, well, well, not offside, but yeah. Yeah, from yeah. kickoff, yeah. Sorry, yeah. that's what I meant. Um, and then, then actually, you know, the pattern of the play of the game until the Jones goal um, was that they were trading blows. The two teams were trading blows and United looked just as dangerous as Spurs. You you say created one chance, which is true, but there were a lot of kind of near misses and near chances created. You know, there was a lot of good work, a lot of very purposeful work. I thought basically United responded incredibly well to going 1-0 down and absolutely abysmally to going 2-0 down. Like, they just completely fell into themselves. Mourinho seemed to fall apart. The team seemed to fall apart. I mean, Jones's mistake for for the own goal was absolutely disastrous, but he was by no means the worst performer on the pitch um, in that game. No, no, he wasn't. And, uh, you know, he's prob- probably been United's best defender this season, hasn't he? And, you know, he's he's been having a decent season, Jones, so it was uncharacteristic of him. Although, have to say, the fact that he didn't go with his left foot is a fundamental technical flaw. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and that's what's caused the, the own goal. And I guess we, um, we can never say that a clumsy, bad mistake, a bad decision, bad mistake, we can never say that that's totally uncharacteristic of Phil Jones, can we? Because... No. That's always part of the package. No, no, he's yeah, he is part of the package. He could you know, trip over his own feet and head that ball in <laughs> as well. It wouldn't surprise anyone. Um, so yeah, he didn't he didn't have a great game. Smalling alongside him, not great either, but not not nearly as bad as Jones, and uh, probably emerged with some half decent credit for defending okay yep. against Harry Kane. Um, the young, the the young, the fullbacks weren't great. At all, it was in I midfield mean, that United had the real problem, though. I mean, I thought um, I thought Valencia was is worthy of specific opprobrium. I thought he was hot garbage in that game. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not having a great season either. I mean, United surely going to prioritise a a right back in the summer. Um, and until then, it's uh, it's Valencia, and uh, he's he's definitely a couple of notches below his his best last season. Mm-hmm. For much of this season, not not every game, you know, he hasn't suddenly turned rubbish or anything like that. Um, but United just just out, you know, th- three against two in midfield. You know, Ali was dropping deeper than Lingard. Uh, Pogba was running ahead of the ball, so sometimes it was three against one. And Spurs just had so much time in midfield to pick um, pick uh, a way through, you know. And they had more than twenty shots, Spurs, and I think two nil in the end probably looks a bit generous for yeah. United given the domination that, that Tottenham had, both of the ball, but also in, in the right kind of areas, you know. Um, they, they, uh, they, they took on men far more often. Um, they, uh, they managed to completely mess up United's tactical system, what it, you know, whatever it was, um, to the point that Mourinho's kind of 
jumping around on the sidelines, flapping his arms about a lot uh, after what another breakaway. Um, yeah, I mean, at the time I thought it was kind of funny that uh, Flaney got substituted because I just assumed that he was unhappy that he'd let Ali run in ahead of him. Or was it Ali? He was one of the midfielders anyway. And uh, it Spurs had a chance about 30 seconds before he was substituted, but it turns out it was an injury. Yeah. So we'll, we'll forgive Flaney there just about, you know, for that one anyway. Yep. Um, but it was complete mess, complete mess. And, I, you know, I, I, lots of responsibility on the players, of course, because in a big game like that, they they do need to turn up, but also a lot on the manager. I mean, he clearly did not get the tactics right here, clearly. A lot of it surrounded Pogba, um, who didn't have a great game, but was also in this kind of weird half position where he's clearly supposed to be defending against Dyer and Dembele. He's clearly supposed to be going man for man in there. That's what Mourinho wanted, and that's not his game. It's not, and, an, you know, and, and we talked about it so often. It's like, you know, are, are we going to build the team around Pogba or not? And it seems not. And and Mourinho is willing to sacrifice him for his unit. Yeah, I mean, and and there are occasions when that's fine, but I don't know that. The really weird thing was dropping him for Huddersfield for that performance. That was that. I was just, I just think. That's, well, I thought it's petty. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the thing is, I'm slightly reluctant to because uh, you you said that in the group chat, and I'm slightly reluctant to go that far just because we don't know the full circumstances. But from the information that we have, which is of course not not full information but from the information we had it certainly looks petty it certainly looks like a a kind of mild power move really i mean he brought him on after an hour didn't he so you know wasn't and we were winning when he brought him on in the end so yeah but you know he didn't drop him for a peer did he he dropped him for scott mctominay who's who's a decent player and may well go on to have a very good united career it's a bit early to say um but you know, this is a ninety million pound world class midfielder, and he's dropped him for a, for a rookie from the academy. And you, I can't help thinking that it's it's a lot to do with the fact that Sanchez arrived, that he feels able to do that. Because last season, okay, there was Latam, but it's a bit different. But there's, you know, Pog was so irreplaceable in the side in terms of creating attacking opportunities. Like I think I said. Either last on last week's podcast or on the I was on the full time Devils preview of the Spurs game, and I said that Sanchez being in the side is fascinating because United just look for Pogba every time. Every other player in the side looks for Pogba every time, basically, except when like Martial's open on the left or whatever. And it's interesting that Sanchez is there now, and the players will look. I mean, against Yeovil, everyone looked to Sanchez every time, and so he's like a kind of main man attacking thrust that Mourinho can trust to an extent to break down Huddersfield without Pogba. So he can, it's like a calculated gamble that he does this now, but it seems so unnecessary because personality-wise, I don't know Paul Pogba obviously, but it feels like what are you doing? Why are you? Just why do this? Why not try and generate a positive environment? Why not try and say, okay, okay, we didn't see eye to eye over the Tottenham game. Perhaps I wasn't clear. You know, own a bit of it himself, but Jose just doesn't do that, does he? Or we don't think he does. He doesn't do it publicly. Own responsibility. I I cannot believe for a second that he does it in the dressing room. 
He definitely won't do it publicly. It is one of his major weaknesses, the, the lack of humility. Uh, and that's what uh, makes things like uh, dropping Pogba for Huddersfield look vindictive. Uh, and we've certainly seen that kind of behaviour before. I mean, t- tactically against uh, Huddersfield, Pogba did half of his job anyway, you know? You look at his heat map for the, the Huddersfield game, he is significantly deeper. Most of his touches are in his own half. Uh, significantly deeper than is typically the case and significantly deeper than uh, is is his best position where he causes the most damage. You know, so he's done at least half the job Mourinho wanted. I just if he, if Mourinho really wanted two defensive players in there, he should have played two defensive players. He should have started Fellaini or started Herrera alongside Matic. He'd have got exactly what he wanted out of them, and then he'd he'd have had a different choice to make. Where does he play Pogba now? Does he play him at ten? Um, then he's going to have to drop Lingard as well as Rashford, uh, Martial. Matter, I'll get it right one day. Um, and I think he's compromised. And, uh, you know, it's these little things that really matter. And he, he, I feel like, and not only have the results have gone bad against the top six, I mean, it's, it's horrible Mourinho's record against the, the, the rest of the sort of big six um, while at United. But he, I feel like we've been talking about these sort of little errors in those big games. It's that kind of thing that goes, hmm, is he still a top coach, you know? And, of course, he's going to hoover up the trophies because that's what he does because he does enough in these cup games. But is he? Is there enough there for him to take United to that, what, you know, 14-point gap or whatever it is now? Um, and uh, and obviously not this season, but in coming seasons, <clears throat> next three years we've got him um, and bridge that gap in quality. I, I don't know. I mean... You can't unless you get results against your peers. Yeah, and and he has... I mean, we beat Spurs at home, we beat Arsenal away. Both of those were better results than performances, although... Oh, Spurs at home was horrible. Sure. I mean, it was such a mess of a game. And and Arsenal away, I mean, this is the one where Arsenal had plus five XG. (laughs) That's a freak. Yeah. I mean, It's like winning the lottery. Well, I mean... Those, the maths doesn't stack up there. <laughs> it's, it's not quite... It's in the ballpark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's... And and I think I've said this before, but I feel like that Arsenal game is a pretty good example of why XG is a limited model still. But anyway, that's... Sure, besides course. Besides the point, like... Okay, let's just say they had over 30 shots. Yeah. Arsenal, and, and, and they still lost. And... And the thing about that game is, even if you exclude, even if you don't take all that stuff into consideration, which you should, even if you don't, it's it results-wise, it's just a weird anomaly among a load of absolute garbage. People cite the fact that the two of these games that get talked about a lot are, you know, that get lumped in. There's a fairly limited number of games that he's had away at the top six. I mean, it's five it's seven or eight by now or whatever it is and two of those were against Arsenal and Tottenham at the end of last season when he'd thrown the league but anyway first of all he shouldn't have thrown the league and anyway the rest of it is entirely consistent with him being terrible against the top six Uh, you know even the one that went really well which was Chelsea Chelsea at home that game I think he got quite lucky in that game that Rashford scored early and that Chelsea were clearly not at the races that day. I mean, also... Yeah, I mean, that was one of the very few games that we've had uh, sort of the classic Mourinho bespoke tactical system. Yep. 
And, I mean, how many of those tactical masterclasses have, have we had in 18 months? Well, like, almost none. No, that, no, that and, one uh, and... That one. Ajax. Ajax, where, where he played Fellaini at 10 and lumped it. I mean, Graham Taylor used to do that 30 years ago. You know, can you not knock it? Well, Mourinho could. So it's I I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't um, pe- people seem to get my tone wrong on Twitter because there's no uh, there's no nuance possible. You know, I, I don't think we've got any other choice. But the evidence is there that points to Mourinho no longer being that elite coach, and this happens to managers all the time. You know, and he's gonna he picked up two trophies last season two minor trophies, some people would say, and a third that he counts that <laughs> only him and Donald Trump would count as winning, <laughs> you know. Maybe Mourinho's sick of winning. Maybe that's it. I mean, I would not put it past him to win the league next season, but it's things are going to have to really fall into place, right? I mean, you know, we've just bought Sanchez, who, you know, to be honest, to be honest, wouldn't put it past him to win the Blooming Champions League this season. And then this well, conversation Well, no, I'd give looks- him a much better chance of that, just because those one-off games, when you expect the, the bespoke tactical systems to come out, uh, when you expect Mourinho to shine. It yeah. doesn't happen very often, but, yeah, I wouldn't... I, it could happen. It could. And, you know... The bespoke tactical systems are clearly not entirely a thing of the past. I mean, I mean, it's a few years ago now, but in his first season back at Chelsea, the season that City won the league, um, he, the system he came up with to beat City was just, it was exquisite. Like, his Chelsea side just, that was a proper, proper Mourinho masterclass. There was, there was yeah. one there. I, I, I do wonder whether, and I, you know, I, I kind of hate the wanky Pep versus Mourinho bollocks that happens in the media, but I'm going to come up with some wanky Pep versus <laughs> Mourinho bollocks uh, because, you know, whatever. Um, I do wonder whether now that Guardiola is in the Premier League that we have a, a slightly different ball game um, and the where Mourinho's strength lies, or at least used to lie, is in working out the weaknesses of the opponent the strengths and being able to negate them mostly the strengths and being able to negate them mm-hmm. right and to win in the detail i'm not sure pep thinks about winning in the detail he he thinks about total domination um and and dominating his opponent in every fashion and winning from there you know and it feels to me like a more attacking game is going to be necessary united just going to have to win more points uh, to beat the city side down the line, not this season. It's never. City would have to have ten injuries um, in order to in order to for United to catch uh, City this season. In fact, it could be any one of forty and like whatever. So I don't know. It just feels like a big. You know, there's been a shift um, in how teams might have to approach uh, winning the Premier League now. Um, Mourinho might have to adapt. I don't see any of that yet. So anyway, it's it's a big reaction to a one loss, um, but it, it fits a pattern, and that's why it's a problem. Um, and of course, United are going to batter everyone this month because we've actually got a decent, you know, we've got Huddersfield and then Newcastle, and I can't remember who else, and Sevilla, and you know, and then Chelsea at the end of the month, Old Trafford, when they'll come and beat us, but. Apart from that, we'll win all our games this month. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that the dynamic of the Premier League has changed a lot in terms of managers. I mean, whatever you think of Klopp, he is a a specific, 
you know, he's a specific high-level coach, and Liverpool are clearly better under him than they've been for a while. Um, and Pochettino is doing what Pochettino's doing. And you know, last season, Conte did a job, good job. Although you said said Chelsea going to rock up and beat us later this month. Uh, they're in a complete shambles. I mean, Spurs and Liverpool drew today. That's big good news for Mourinho. And Chelsea's kind of propensity to implode seems to be uh, fully up and running. That's great news for Mourinho. And I, I do, I do think we'll finish second this season. You know, and and partly because we bounced back from this really poor result. You know, it's funny. I was thinking during the Huddersfield game. I was thinking this is not going to work anymore against us. You know, in the Van Hal era, that David David Wagner performance would have been absolutely nailed on three uh, at one point for Huddersfield, um, or maybe three points if they'd got one on the break or whatever. But this team is just far too good. Unless you're a, you got to get really lucky to park the bus for ninety minutes against this Man United in terms of the sheer amount of personal attacking talent, like individual attacking talent there is on the pitch. Yeah, but it's got to be shaped into a team. I mean, uh, Gary Neville said after the Spurs game that he thought that that um, United just relied on individuals and Spurs were a team. And, and you could see that in the the patterns of play, couldn't you? I mean, Spurs um, pressed as a unit, completely disrupted United doing that. United don't press as a unit, they just press individually. You know, Spurs attacked as a unit. United were all over the shop. So, yeah, there's massive amounts of attacking talent, but it's got to be shaped. You know, got to be shaped. And, it, and yeah. 18 months down the line, it's okay. But it's not great. And we're hoping it gets great. No, the, the, the big negative is it's dreadful all the time in big games. And that is a huge negative. And the big positive is we normally win at home in particular, and away too, frankly, against the teams we're supposed to beat easily. Like, there's been a few anomalies in that, but they're the exception rather than the rule. And that Huddersfield at home game, they were very well drilled, very disciplined. They kind of completely surrendered their way of playing to try and grind out um, a point against us, and they were unable to do so, not not just because of the individual attacking talent in our team, but also because of the way that it is capable of coalescing into a unit when we play against teams and the team is full of confidence, I maintain that so much of this, so much of what Mourinho is getting wrong is about not understanding how desperately this unit needs to believe in itself. And that, it, that, that there's something about the way he's approaching these big games that is casting a serious doubt. Like like I said about the Spurs game, we really looked for, you said 10 minutes, I think it was longer than that. Um, the gap between the first and second goals, essentially, we looked like we were going to pick ourselves off, dust ourselves off and really go for this. Um and then, and then the second goal just destroyed all of that. It's like, oh no, here we are again. We are a bunch of failures after all, you know. Um, but against Huddersfield, they kept going, and it was some some really nice attacking interplay. Like the first goal, the, uh, the Lukaku goal, was absolutely beautiful cross from Juan Mata and a lovely, lovely goal um, from Lukaku. Very nice finish, yeah. Needed it as well, didn't he? Because Lukaku was pretty dreadful against Spurs, and um, yeah. Um, this is this is a Huddersfield side that hadn't won in seven games, something like that. Uh, so they were definitely there for the taking. They're they're the kind of team that we batter all the time, mm. and they were pretty meek opponents, really. 
and uh, and you know we we got to see some nice touches from Alexis, didn't we? And yeah, really he's good. clearly he's clearly top class player. You know, understands space and movement and uh, technically very good. And obviously, he's going to be a golf threat. Uh, maybe we get him off penalties. Uh, maybe he... or maybe he's just the new Rooney on penalties. Uh, <laughs> I wonder out. if he's if he's on penalties or if it was just the occasion and the fact that we were one nil up and all that that got him taking the penalty. I mean, who Lukaku's not a great penalty taker, is he? So no, it's uh, no. Martial is the one that you want on pens, of course. Yes, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it was a competent performance against Huddersfield. Um, pretty much in control, uh, Huddersfield. Uh, not nearly as much energy or in your face ness as as at their place earlier this season. Um, yeah, they they uh, they sat pretty deep. They were hoping to get chances on the break. Didn't get too many. Didn't really look like United were under threat at all. I actually don't remember David Hare making a serious save. Might have done. Don't remember no. it. Um, I, I thought United were in a lot of control. Really. Um, Eighty percent possession in the first half, or something like that. It was it was complete and utter dominance. Yeah, and, and um, you know, Pogba dropped. McTominay comes in. Yeah, you know, he's a. We talked about him on the pod before. He's a very mature player. He's a sort of old soul, isn't he? You know, he he understands the space around him and uses the ball smartly. He doesn't take enough risks, and and in order to become a better player, he's going to have to do that. Because you know, I guess the most obvious comparison is with Carrick because. He, He's playing a sort of similar role, uh, and Carrick is is a much better progressive passer. I mean, people always used to call him, you know, sort of yeah, say he, he did crab. a crab. Yeah, they pass sideways, and it's just not true. You know, you look at the look at the data. He's actually a very progressive passer and a very good one. You know, and and I think uh, mm-hmm. if McTominay's going to make a, an X step forward, he'll have to do that. It's okay. He's twenty one. You know, doesn't have to do it right now. He's come late into the team. Um, people are trying to compare him with, of course, Carrick, but also Darren Fletcher, I, I guess, because they're both Scottish-ish. I mean, McTominay seems to have declared for Scotland. Um, and not. I don't think that's really fair because at 16, Darren Fletcher was a brilliant attacking player and by the time he was sort of 21, he was, he was, you know, making big performances in the United team but in a much more defensive role. So not quite the same comparison, but he did well. I mean, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because can you imagine worse circumstances in which to learn to take risks than being brought in for Paul Pogba after a performance where he's been unceremoniously benched for taking too many risks? Like, I mean, and the, the thing about that game is, I mean, it, it was good in the second half and we made the breakthrough and it kind of in a way felt inevitable we would make the breakthrough at some point. But that first half, you're thinking, what a game to drop Pogba for. If ever there was a game that needs a bit of moment of magic. Now, of course, sometimes it doesn't work and Pogba gets the ball like outside the box and blasts it over the bar instead of making a, a simple pass that might do some good. But, you know, he's also got absolute magic in his boots, hasn't he? So it was kind of frustrating that he wasn't in the team in the first half and kind of ditto Martial in a way. And, and, you know, before Sanchez signed, I've said how many times on this podcast, surely Sanchez isn't going to play a lot of time on the left and Rashford and Martial be, you know, shunted around to, to fit him into the team. But it seems like it was very early days, so let's not make any wild claims so far. But after three games, every single one of them has seen uh, Martial's position. He's going to play on the left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he's going to play on the left. Uh, I, I think I think we can see that now. That's the 
It's his preferred position. He talked about it. You know, he's either going to play up front or he's going to play on the left. But that's so bizarre. It's just utterly bizarre. We've probably got an upgrade, and certainly in in Mourinho's mind, we've got an upgrade because he's a known quantity. He's going to perform much more consistently than Rashford or Martial. But that's mad. Look Uh, at the numbers. Like, are we saying that Sanchez, how many more goals than Martial or Rashford would Sanchez have had? in their minutes in those positions this season. Like, what what is he talking? What percentage upgrade is that for uh, to bring a superstar player into the team to do that percentage upgrade? What's the point when you could have such a massive percentage upgrade in other positions? Like, it's yeah. balmy. Um, it, but, but clearly, clearly... Mourinho's frustrated with that position, clearly. But how can he, does, I mean, he doesn't fully trust Martial or Rashford? It's why they've been job sharing all seasons. So and now we've got Sanchez in the team and Martial and Rashford job sharing on the bench. But it's utterly uh, it's, baffling. It, it's it, it feels a, it feels a way to dilute the talent for sure. But yeah. the, the the thing about it as well is like of all the problems United have had this season. Martial and Rashford's performance on the left is not in the top 50 of, of, of p- problems in the team. And, like, he's talking about... You talk about Can trust- you name the other 49? <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's I mean- go. But, like, um, the, the the Sanchez thing, like, in what way is he going to trust him? Are we saying a greater percentage of, like, opportunities for him to do something with the ball in possession and attack he'll pull off because he ain't going to defend any more disciplined than uh Rashford and Martial especially Rashford like I mean he'll work hard but he's he's like Alexis Sanchez will go into business for himself when things aren't going well it's you know he's a wonderful player and I'm glad he's in the squad but it seems utterly utterly bizarre if and and it is three games in and don't want to make too many assumptions based on that but if that is the I kind of feel like I'm getting preemptively angry about something that we don't know is definitely happening but but honestly it's just such a waste yeah well we will see it does seem like that that is going to be Sanchez's primary position so um and and he was very good against Huddersfield yeah you know he makes he does make the right decisions he he uh he is very dangerous in uh all attacking areas he loses the ball a lot yeah. that's because he takes some risks with it and you need to in order to score goals so you need to have the right balance uh although i, I think if uh rashford had been in the team or especially if martial had been in the team and lost the ball 30 times <laughs> i i wonder whether Mourinho would be quite as patient i mean I have to say, you know, he said Sanchez was very good in this game, and he was. Tell you who else would probably have been very good in this game, based on almost all past evidence. Anthony Martial, <laughs> you know, like, that is not, it's not like, oh, we, we really needed someone. Anyway, that's uh, the one thing, I, of course, I really liked about Sanchez's debut was the banner, which no, uh, is excellent. No. no, no, we've been having a debate for a few days about this, and I think we've agreed that this is utter, utter... No, no, no. Soppy, sentimental, saccharine <laughs> bollocks and makes us look like Arsenal fans. I think that's what you said. No, no. I think what we said was, um, unless you're dead inside and use football as a sort of kind of uh, extension of your own psyche and kind of like, oh, my God, like, if if my masculinity is brought into question and I don't seem to be cold-hearted enough, then people might think badly of me. Then you'll say it's terrible. But otherwise, you'll recognise it for the kind of joyous celebration of silliness that it is. 
Mm. Yeah, exactly. Embarrassing silliness. Disney would you, be embarrassed about this. No, this no, is, it's, it's not, about it's, dogs, but it's, but this 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 is the poster for Beethoven the movie. No, no, no. It's not even as cheesy as Beethoven the movie. It's like Beethoven's Christmas. It's or some Beethoven's Christmas two. That's how cheesy this bollocks was. It's not even. And, it's not even and, cheesy. And, you know, and like I, I've been checking my Twitter timeline. I didn't do a poll, but I'm gonna say just on the basis of evidence that 99 percent of people hate this shit. Hate it. That's because loads of people are really stupid about stuff like this and don't understand uh, that fun is good. And, like, you know, you compared it to the Moyes banner, right? The thing about the Moyes banner is the Moyes banner was substantively stupid. Like, for all kinds of reasons, it ramped up on the... Pre- like, it was just a... If it had been a one-off gag for the Chelsea match, great. It should have gone immediately after that. Like, to be honest... I would be happy to see that um, uh, Alexis Banner go from now on. Like, it's a lovely welcome. Uh, you know, here's a player well, it, who... It did go about half-time, someone ripped it down, he, fortunately. He dressed... I, I think it's the wrong medium. I, I think if this was Instagram, and it was the club's Instagram, you go, yeah, all right, funny, you know, whatever, gone. But it was in Old Trafford. <laughs> Uh, you know, football does love to take itself so seriously, doesn't it? And people love to take the the notion of what it means to be our club so seriously, don't they? But it, what? who does it hurt to let a bit of I'm light not, Well, into my, my this? sensibilities and, and everyone else's as well. Not everyone and, else's, and by the way. standing in, in football fan culture. What good, so, sta- yeah, what no, good standing this- in, in what football fan culture? What does that mean in 2018? Like, you know... <laughs> I bet I bet everyone that made Red Issue is gutted that this happened and Oh, for sure. And that's yeah. good that is good yeah. enough for me. Oh dear. Was it born in Runcorn? Tell me. <laughs> Listen, the that's about the messenger, not the message. Anyway. All comes together. Shall we move on? Yeah, let's. Um I, I'm not quite sure what else to say about Huddersfield. Decent performance. Yeah, lots of nice and touches. And we're just much better than Huddersfield. And and this is clear. And, you know, listen, this is what I was saying earlier. It is a massive positive about Mourinho's United that this ex- incredibly expensively attacking, assembled attacking talent is let loose at home over and over again. It's almost always fun to go and watch United at Old Trafford. And... There was a time. Yeah, so 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 why is the crowd so quiet? Um, <laughs> you know, calling this one out again after the they're probably just all in their shell, embarrassed about the the banner, weren't they? Well, I'd say that, except they've been quiet for ten years. Yeah, exactly. Um, Glazer takeover, right? That's that's why. Yeah, that's why the crowd's quiet at Old Trafford. I mean, of course, there would be issues with with a massive corporate bowl anyway, but. You know, we know we know why the crowd's quiet at Old Trafford, and they tried the singing section, and it does make a really big difference if you're near it in the ground, because then at least you get a little pocket of atmosphere. But and the Stretford End, I don't know, I haven't, I don't think I've sat in the Stretford End this season at all. Um, but it still gets up for big games. You know, we know this, 
And Mourinho said, Mourinho called, what did he say? He said, in Old Trafford is a quiet stadium. And he just kind of really said it as a kind of throwaway remark. And it's hard not to notice, isn't it? If, if you're him, like you're going to be standing on the touchline and I can literally hear what people are saying in the South Stand, you know, I can eavesdrop on conversations. Yeah. I think what they were saying is don't be so against good teams. <laughs> no, they wouldn't say that in the South Stand. All very polite there. <laughs> They would be saying, oh, I much prefer rugby because you can drink in the stands. That's literally what the oh, person sat behind ouch. me in the South Stand said at the Santa Gen game. He probably hates the Atom and Humber Band. We, we don't do egg chasing on this podcast. No, we certainly don't. Although, you know, uh, each well, to their what own. What we do do is, uh, is uh, rank cast questions. <laughs> we do. At least once every two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I did manage to actually ask the populace whether they'd like to ask any questions, and there have been some. Great. Um, where should we start? So, Brian Roy, Broy1709. Friend of the show. Says, um, yeah, uh, without trying to get on his case, isn't Lukaku ultimately going to hold us back? And um, there's some editorialising after that, so I won't ask that one. It's probably rank ask questions thing. Now get 280 characters. <laughs> I mean, Brian... Like, what's is is your problem? The sheer number of goals he scored this, the impressive number of goals he scored this season. Uh, no, I don't think Lukaku's ultimately going to hold us back. At, he isn't even in our top forty nine problems at United. Uh, to um, to uh, get back to a, a debate we were just having, Christopher Davis, uh, Gigi Bambino, really, Christopher, really. Anyway, uh, on Twitter, says, uh, seeing as uh, left-wing forward was uh, the only functioning part of our attack, how much better are we actually going to be with Sanchez in the team? Exactly, exactly. Like, uh, in one way, one of the reasons I've struggled to get super excited about the Alexis signing is just that we've signed loads of good players. It's not making any difference. That's, you know, we're just going to keep signing more and more good players until we've got 11, and then maybe we'll win the league. Like, fine, great. Um, that's one way of doing things. But the other one is exactly that. This is, especially if he's going to play on the left, what is the point? Yeah. Uh, Surinder Raj says, uh, it's Raj player on Twitter, says, uh, could the Mourinho bias bias be any more obvious? Like Sashur and Martial can have 10 amazing games and then be dropped. But Sanchez, Lukaku and Matic will play 10 bad, bad games in a row and still won't be dropped. I'm, I'm not quite sure. The, uh, I think there may have been some exaggeration there, but I think he's, he's saying that uh, Mourinho likes the players he buys most. I genuinely, truth to that. I genuinely assumed that um, could the Mourinho bias be any more obvious was going to lead into it's clear you hate him. Why do you keep talking negatively about him on the podcast? So I'm so glad it went the direction it did. I mean, it... it is definitely a big issue in terms of him playing favourites. By the way, Romelu Lukaku on 24 goals in all competitions this season, I think. That that would seem like a lot of goals to me. Yeah, it's not bad. And he's got a lot for Belgium as well. Mm. So um, he's, he's going to score plenty of goals this season. That includes internationals, by the way. Um, ah. So there's a few of them for Belgium, but a lot of them for us. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did Paul do the Alexis Atom and Humber banner? <laughs> no, probably. But I, How much did it cost you? Mine. I would have gone with something. A li- I, I hope you weren't pilfering the uh, the Patreon backers uh, fund. <laughs> I would have that. gone for something a little more creative than just welcome Alexis Atom and Humber. But I kind of, you know, like 
I'm not going to keep going on about it. But I think people need to chill. Yeah. Uh, they need to rip that down, shred it, burn it, incinerate it, bury it, and and, and try and wipe what, it from our memory. What? In my honest opinion. What is it? Uh, is, what is it, Is Ed? Paul actually <laughs> Rojo's brother? Says... At Taziola on Twitter. That's the second time someone said that to me. Maybe the more... I don't think I look anything like him. Um, What is it, Ed? What is it about that that hurts you so much? What is it about it? How can you feel embarrassed about something like that? What does it... How does it reflect on you in any way that it would generate embarrassment? Uh, There's two things. Welcome to Manchester is aping that Manchester City banner. Um, and and the welcome atom and Humber and Alexis is just pure saccharine cheese. But no, I think and and it reflects the Arsenal banner that was up at the Emirates. So you know, not only is it derivative, um, but it's cheesy as well. But why does that embarrass you? Why is that embarrassing? Beca- because my tribe is being embarrassed. Okay, by this <laughs> that I didn't get to vote on. <laughs> uh, uh. I mean, That's look, it doesn't make me today. angry in the way the Moyes one did. I wanted to beat up yeah. whichever Runcorn-based <laughs> person made that banner. I didn't really. No. But, you know. No, I mean, and, and I, you know, I, as I said earlier, it is substantively different. And, like, I don't know, let's... I, I could talk about this for a long time, and I find the reaction to it fascinating and slightly disturbing, because it's... It, it, people people are very fragile and it's like everyone's going oh this is so cringy i'm like what what is wrong with uh a bit of fun like what that's all in like the idea that this is somehow the peak of saccharin it's like not not if you take it as very tongue-in-cheek like then it's hardly saccharin at all it's just like silly a little bit of a dig at arsenal fans like no, it wasn't even a dig at Arsenal. Anyway, we're going to stop this, and we're going to agree that it was shite. No, we're not. not no, we're absolutely not. No, we are not. We're going to both agree that it was good. How's that? How's that? Should we do that instead? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> wow. Um, Didn't think that would work. <laughs> so, uh, we're, we're a, few, a few questions on, uh, on McTominay. So, okay. uh, Jamie... O'Donoghue, underscore, on Twitter. Friend of the show. So there's lots of debate about uh, McTominay. I uh, think it's too soon to pass judgment. Your thoughts? Well, we talked a little bit about that. Definitely, um, definitely agree, by the way, that it's too soon to pass judgment. And at Pacino 2011 says, is McTominay the new TC23? Has he branded <laughs> himself yet? I mean... You know it's all going to go wrong if he's got a logo. There is every chance that his career trajectory follows the cleverly path because the, the one thing that I've seen so far that I would say was exceptional about McTominay is his level of... Um, his capacity to step into the United first team without looking like a rabbit in the headlight in the headlights. That is a specific um, mental strength that will serve a footballer very well. Now, technically, have we seen anything that would make us think, yeah, this guy's going to have an absolutely exceptional United career? I don't think so. I mean, he, he looks quite bright in possession, but like you say, I mean, did he make a, 
a single penetrative creative pass against Huddersfield, a team that were not putting that much, although he was the one player maybe in the side that was getting a bit of pressure from Huddersfield. And he generally soaked that up quite well, even when they tried to take his head off in the box. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Jeez. I mean, that one was a red card all day long. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Very, very, very bad challenge. Um, Jino72 says, uh, how good was Shaw compared to Young, or was it just the opponent? <laughs> it's hard to say, isn't it? Because obviously Huddersfield and Spurs are a very different proposition, but watching that Tottenham game, I did spend quite a look of it, look, lot of it looking at the game, thinking, uh, so Mourinho, a uh, very experienced, very successful football manager, is convinced that Ashley Young would have been a better choice for this game than Luke Shaw, and I cannot understand that not that I think Young is a bad fullback um but it's it's a baffling decision although even against Huddersfield there's that one moment when United have a throw in and Mourinho screams at Shaw to come and take it quite a long way up the pitch you know Mourinho clearly does not trust Luke Shaw at all uh no clearly not uh although he he Talked about him in fairly glowing terms a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, and he'd started five or six games, but just apparently not in the big games. <laughs> Against Burnley um, or Spurs. Yeah. Hmm. It's, I mean, it does come to something if uh, £30 million left-back is is uh, back up to Ashley Young, <laughs> age 33, £2 million a goal or assist or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh at J underscore Harrison 86 um, editorialises somewhat. Please don't do this, people. It's hard to read this out. Anyway, he's saying, uh, are we willing to let De-, De Gea go to Real as part of a bail injury? Injury problems, no thanks, he says. This is just Spanish paper talk, isn't it, surely? And uh, it may well be faded a little bit by, by the De Gea camp because there's a new contract being negotiated. Uh, I mean, the De Gea bail chat was interesting two seasons ago. It isn't interesting anymore. I mean, wouldn't, no, wouldn't Bale I'm sure want to play tie on the... that contract down? Of course, everyone's going to be uh, heading into Mr. Woodward's office now and going, <laughs> I hear Alexis is on 600,000 a week or 700,000 a week or 49 million a week, depending on what the Daily Mail is printing this week. Isn't... Uh, I'd like the same too, please. Uh, talking of United transfer, so by the way, Bale, I think, quite often plays wide left, right? Although he plays on the right a lot for Madrid, I guess. But it'd be funny if we bought another player who can play attacking left. Um, the United transfer target that was Mesa Ozil, uh, apparently the best paid player in the Premier League now. That can't be true, can it? Uh, it depends on which paper you believe. The Independent certainly claim that. Uh, the Times put out a list of best paid players per club and had uh, as Sanchez at much lower wages than appeared in some of the red tops. Mm. Um, I think United were keen to let it be known that some of the mischievous nurse uh, around the uh, the Sanchez deal had actually come from Manchester City. Um, <laughs> some naughty spin going on there. Never. They wouldn't do that, would they? Um, uh, apparently not earning anywhere near £600,000 a week. Funny that, isn't it? Um, anyway, that's Rankast questions. There's quite a few more. Go on, but, do uh, one more. Do one more, Ed. One, one more. Okay. Um, at Raz El Taz says, could Lukaku on the right, Sanchez on the left, and Martial through the middle work? Yeah, definitely. It's not going to happen, but yes, it could definitely work. A bunch of questions about uh, whether United um, need 
a new midfielder in the summer, who it could be? I mean, I think the answer to that is yes. If if United are spending big in the summer, it's going to be on the central midfielder. Who? I don't know. It's really, really not obvious to me that. Now, I'm, especially since I packed in the Bleacher Report gig, I, that makes it sound like it was voluntary, um, <laughs> especially since the Bleacher Report gig was packed in for me, um, I am paying absolutely even less attention than I already was to to players and around different leagues and stuff. Um, but I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who would be obviously available and obviously an upgrade on who we've already got. It, it seems like this is this is going to be quite a challenge to uh, to fill this brief. Yeah, um, I'm sure there's uh, people who watch more European football than I am able to at the moment. Fabinho, uh, Fabinho, that's who we want. Get him on. Get him on board. Uh, yeah, rank us listeners. Tell us who you'd like yeah. as United's new central midfielder. Um, uh, there are many. There are many around Europe, and I do watch a bit of European football. Um, but um, I don't think it's obvious who United will be bidding for this summer. Um, but if big money is being spent, it will be there. Big money right back, please. That's what I want. Very good. There's the game of the weekend. Oh yeah, Newcastle. Newcastle. Are- are bad. They just got. A- they are bad. They are bad. They 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 have been bad for the entire history of the club. Although <laughs> you wouldn't believe it from the fans, That's would so you? So harsh. Like I'm very friendly with a couple of Newcastle fans, and the stereotype about them is grossly unfair and exaggerated. Um, I think a lot of them are very fed up because they're owned by a kind of you know uh, absolute terrible bloke um who has tried to run them on the maximum possible shoestring budget allowed and they just want a bit of decent football i don't think they're claiming they should be competing for the title yeah yeah well um he failed to sell the club did mike ashley who's uh shopping it around and uh there was a, a hedge fund uh, interested in in um in buying up the club uh, typically they'd of course asset strip but you know looking at newcastle on the pitch there aren't too many assets to strip um so maybe they uh, they backed out uh, apparently the bid was 300 million which you know seems like a lot of money i suppose but given that um uh, anyone in the premier league is going to be making revenue in excess of sort of 120 to 50 million uh, it does feel on the low ball side. So, you know, Ashley's almost certain to walk away from Newcastle, having been one of the worst owners ever, mm. and there are lots of bad owners in football, uh, making a very, very handsome profit. Um, Benitez must be going out of his mind because he stayed with them in the championship. You would imagine that there were were promises made to him about what would be available to him when he came up to the Premier League. And... and you know, the fact that they're not in the bottom three, although they're just one point off the relegation zone, um, is something of a testament to Benitez. I mean, they they haven't conceded by any stretch of the imagination a vast number of goals. In fact, Bournemouth, who are up in ninth in the league, have conceded more than them, as have Everton, Watford, West Ham, Palace, you know. Uh, so lots of teams above them have conceded more. But they've got a massive problem with scoring goals. They're just 24 goals in 26 games. And, you know, you look at the personnel, and you can see why they've got a problem with scoring goals because their forward players are just not very good. I mean, this 
is a terrible time to say that, of course, because we all know that we we all fear the jinx as football fans. But the last time they scored more than one goal in the in a game, uh, well, they scored three against Luton in the FA Cup, and then they scored three away to West Ham. Um, but they they just hardly ever score more than one goal, and they don't. You know, even there's quite plenty of games where they don't even score one. They, they got a very creditable draw away at Palace today. Um, I, I watched the last ten minutes of that game, um, and they were Palace were banging down the door to try and break them down. So I, I guess they'll come and be stubborn. I mean, it's it's not it's at St James's, isn't it? And we we beat yeah. them at home, but yeah. even though it's at St James's, you'd imagine they'll they'll try and set up pretty rigid and defensive and all that stuff. But well, probably yeah. Um, they've uh, they've got. Uh, as, as you say, you know, real problem. Their uh, top goal scorer in the league's got four goals. Mm. Um, you know, and then there's there's Josselu, and, and then there's Dwight Gale, there's Mitrovic. Who did he go out alone? Yeah, he's gone. I think. Yeah, he might have done. You know, came came joined the club with a lot of lot of promise and never really fulfilled it. Um, well, and I, I Perez think... uh, doesn't score any goals either. So you know, it's clear it's clearly a problem. Yeah. Um, they they have a lot of very 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 mediocre players and a mediocre manager at that well i mean for all the criticism you could level at benitez he's a mediocre man- manager at a much higher level than this you know he's probably a pretty good manager at, he's probably in the very upper echelons of quality of managers that newcastle could probably possibly get their hands on they brought in kennedy on loan from chelsea yeah. um over the transfer window i mean more of a midfielder than a, a pure forward um, but he might add some quality, maybe. Yeah, he he might add some quality, but it's hardly the kind of you know one point off relegation. It's hardly the kind of massive injection of talent that they could have done with. Um, talking no, of- no, it'd be interesting. I'm I'm kind of surprised, right? Given given that whole point about the you know um, uh, potential sale of the club, the value is very much tied to being in the Premier League. Mm. Very, very much. I mean, because the the parachute payments uh, are like a tenth of the revenue uh, in the Premier League. Um, you then have a whole bunch of players on Premier League contracts and, and all sorts of problems, you know. And, and Newcastle have been bouncing between the two leagues for quite a few years now. So, uh, I'm surprised they didn't invest to make sure that they weren't getting relegated and, and they're right in the mix. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And And, you know... There is every chance that three, well, currently four, but let's say three teams will be worse than them this season. Uh, interesting to see Alan Pardew not getting any kind of bounce and West Brom very much rooted to the spot. Um, but there, there are also teams there like, I mean, Stoke, new manager now. Admittedly, it's Paul Lambert, but still. Swansea have recently had a new manager and got a couple of decent results lately as well but beneath them. I mean, I think we'll see Palace pull away out of out of that immediate scrap because um, it was clear that their start to the season was such a disaster. But, um, you know, maybe you could say, well, Brighton will slip, the Moyes... You can't imagine he's going to sustain positive performances at West Ham. Imagine they're going to slip into the mix. But it's going to be well scrappy down the bottom for a long time this season. And, and Newcastle could could very, very easily end up relegated again. It's not it's not particularly... Could do. I mean, the only thing I'd say about them is they're not losing a lot of games. No. 
At least haven't been recently. Um, so they're picking up some points, but yeah, not not winning a lot and can't score any goals. So how do you see the game going? Is Pogba restored to the team? I mean, surely, especially since he came on late in that game. I mean, you'd, you'd imagine you'd imagine he'd be restored. Um, it'd be, I think, a pretty massive shock if he isn't. And I think this is a game where you can a- afford to play four two three one with Pogba and Matic because. Newcastle are hardly going to dominate that midfield, are they? No, they're not. No, and you know, obviously, there are not a lot of teams of Spurs's quality or particular qualities to cause United problems, and Newcastle definitely aren't one of them. United will get a lot of the ball. Should win the game comfortably, mm-hmm. and and I think you know we are in a position now where we can start to say you know, yep, United should win the game comfortably, and probably we will because that tends to be what happens. Um, one thing I want to talk about Ed before we before we finish the the main show, a very special treat for Patreon backers this week. Um, but we, we um, before we finish the main show, uh, transfer deadline day happened between uh, when we last recorded and now. And it was kind of fascinating in the Premier League. Uh, some really, really, really big deals this January. Um, the whole weird Arsenal, Chelsea, Dortmund triangle uh, on the final day. Um, it was a love triangle, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Who was loving who and, <laughs> and how? Um, uh, yeah, so Bashuai went to Dortmund and Giroud went to Chelsea. Uh, and Aubameyang um, went from Dortmund to Arsenal, and and he's a very good acquisition, I think. I mean, much better than Lacazette, much much better. I think we trashed Lacazette when he joined in the summer, didn't we? And, well, you uh, you did. I held back because he's did. French. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you had your blue tinted glasses on. Yeah. Um, uh, or should we call it le bleu tinted <laughs> glasses? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, but he's. I never thought he was much good. Um, but uh, yeah, um, the, the, you know, Obe is, is going to score a lot of goals. I mean, he scores a lot of goals in the box. Yeah, um, but it's neat enough uh, uh, yeah, around it. And of course, Mkhitaryan suddenly becomes a worldie <laughs> when he joins Arsenal and starts assisting everyone left, right, and centre. Well. He got two assists in one game, which he did for us earlier this season. I mean, you know, it is it does seem to be a much better fit for Mkhitaryan. And I think we said on the show, like, definitely don't want him to do badly. Definitely don't have any ill will towards Mkhitaryan for, for his United career. It was clear he never stopped trying. And it was clearly a bad match with Mourinho. Um, and I reckon it'll be a good match with Wenger. But talking of Wenger, I mean, they didn't do anything about their defence. And they low-balled an offer for Johnny Evans, who could be just such a great player for them. And uh, it's really weird that they let Giroud go to Chelsea. They sent Sanchez to us and Giroud to Chelsea, kind of like strengthening rivals with their players. 50 goals last season. <laughs> Very strange. And I mean, wow. how happy must Chelsea be when you're being linked to Andy Carroll and Peter Crouch and you get Olivier Giroud is a pretty substantial step up in quality. If you're looking, if you're looking for a target man, I mean, hard to think of too many. I'm not saying like he's an amazing world beater of a player or anything, but he's a very decent Premier League target man, isn't he? He is. I'm not sure it's the, the man that Conte would have been thinking about. <laughs> You know, no. when he's saying, hey, Roman, you've got billions, go and buy me a forward. Is is Lewandowski available at all? No, but I tell you what, I've got this extraordinarily handsome Frenchman in mind. Um, I wouldn't call Peter Crouch handsome. <laughs> well, French. Yeah, fair enough. But, you know, they, they got another one, yeah. 
Um, so after Newcastle, uh, we got a game against Huddersfield in the Cup, and I guess we'll preview that next weekend. Did they did they uh, beat Birmingham City? Yeah. Has that happened? I didn't see that. I didn't know that the replay had I th- happened. I thought it had. Oh, did it not? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it didn't. Maybe it's Huddersfield or Birmingham. I can't remember. Actually, I can't remember. Um, yeah. Hold on a sec. Yeah, no, uh, they're, they're, they're away, and then and then that big Chelsea game at the end of February. Going to be an interesting couple of weeks, but, you know, nice distraction of those cup games. Yeah. Um, that that Birmingham-Huddersfield match played is played on Tuesday, so we'll find out whether we take the trip to Birmingham or a trip to Huddersfield. Um, I guess we we hope Birmingham win that one, don't we, after the last trip to Huddersfield? <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but the Newcastle game, we should do predictions. I'm not feeling... 2-0 a f- win to United. I was going to say, I'm not feeling a 4-0 this week. I'm not feeling a 4-0 prediction, but I'd be surprised, but, you know... I'm going to go, I'm going to be optimistic for once and say 3-0 United. Wow, very good. Um, Well, that's it for the week. Yep. Uh, Just the one game next week, so everyone gets a nice rest. Uh, Pogba gets to go and play with the reserves or train (laughs) with the youth team for a little while. He can call up Mkhitaryan and uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger and ask what it's all about. (laughs) Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I'm sure the two of them are not going to have a massive long-term falling out. Like the fact that the fact that he brought both Pogba and Martial on in this game, even though he didn't need to, I think is a pretty good sign that this was a, you know, this is a temporary state of affairs, and all will be returned to normal. Sanchez will play at number ten against Newcastle, and Martial will play on the left with Mata on the right. Pogba and Matic in the middle, Lukaku up front, and we'll win ten nil, and everyone will be happy again. <laughs> Yeah, I, no one's going to be happy. But, yeah, <laughs> especially if they bring that banner yeah, out. Yeah, that's why people can't be happy, because they can't let joy penetrate into their hearts. It's easy if you try. Uh, I'm sure there'd be a play-out track, if we were doing play-out tracks. <laughs> but um, since there's no joy in your heart, you killed them, <laughs> as well as, like, killing Christmas or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to get Paul's dulcet tones uh, with this short preview of uh, this week's Patreon backers contest. What, what contest? Patreon backers bonus content. What are we doing this week? Yeah, we're doing a, a quiz on the uh, backers content this week. And uh, you'll hear a little clip of that now. See you next week. See you next week. The Rankcast is brought to you by the people who back us over at patreon.com slash rankcast patreon is a crowdfunding website where for a small monthly amount uh, you can contribute to uh, the rankcast and help keep us going um if you pay i think it's five dollars a month or above you get access to our bonus content which is um, not exactly supposed to be like value for money but it's supposed to be a kind of added extra for people that want to back us and uh, this week we did something brand new and uh, set each other some pretty difficult quiz questions but it's it's got tighter now. Um, This one, I reckon, Ed, is nailed on. What was Sir Matt Busby's first major trophy for Manchester United? And in what year? (laughs) You can... I'll I'll give you you at least half a point for just getting the trophy. That is my thinking noise. (laughs) It's good. It does sound rather like I'm trying to squeeze one out on Boxing Day morning. Or maybe you're just trying to, like... um, talk over, make a noise to hide the sound of tapping.